uh, is culture. I, I think military culture is, is different than than civilian culture. And Dre, you asked a, a very powerful question. It's not just the knowledge that's power, it's the actual application of that knowledge. I'm just a bill. <laughs> yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. All right, welcome to another great episode of Dre and Smiley, the Inner Circle Podcast. Dre, I am super stoked because today is Veterans Day and we have a veteran on our on our podcast. And first, I want to say his name, Christopher Robinson. He's a United States Air Force veteran who served in multiple career fields, security forces, paralegal, para, professional military education instructor, and director of education. First and foremost, thank you for your service. We appreciate you being here on this special day and with all you've done for us and the country and everyone. So thank you very much. Also, in his current role in workforce development, serving as a program training specialist for the United States Air Force, continually providing value to us, Mr. Robinson facilitates organizational learning, training, and development lessons for leaders, managers, and staff employees, provides performance coaching and mentorship to employees at all levels in the organization, and design programs including team building, communication effectiveness, conflict management, diversity, shaping cultures, and emotional intelligence. Prior to this role, he served as a senior performance consultant at a nonprofit organization in learning and leadership development. So thank you very much, Chris, Chris Robinson, for being here. And once again, thank you for your service. And, and this is an impressive bio. Yeah, Can it you is. first tell us, uh, I mean, I'm so honored to have a, a veteran <laughs> here. Tell us, like, what you did in the military. Not the top secret stuff, because I don't want you to shoot Drake. <laughs> but let us know. Yeah, I don't want to come up missing. <laughs> yeah, we don't want Drake to disappear. But tell us what you've done in the Air Force and how that, that worked work for you before you transition into the corporate America world. Well, I, I tell you, thanks. First and foremost, thank you so much for inviting me onto the show today. It is an honor to be here and specifically to be able to share my story uh, and just have this platform just to share and talk with you all. Uh, you know, coming to the Air Force, uh, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. Motown. Um, yeah, Motown. Absolutely. I came in right out of high school, an opportunity to come in and serve. And, and my initial uh, goal was to come in and just do four years, uh, get enough money with the Montgomery GI Bill to finish my education. I promised my mom I would get my college education and keep moving forward. Uh, four years turned into six years, six years turned into 10, and then I culminated with 26-year career. Uh, during that journey, uh, having the opportunity to serve in multiple career fields really helped to broaden uh, me and helped me discover my purpose and also gave me some transferable skills. And, and so the latter part of my career, uh, becoming a professional military education instructor, really opened my eyes to the possibility of what I could do as far as pouring and building into the lives of others. And as a result of that, I've continued uh, in that vocation uh, as a part of my you know, education, uh, just continuing to do that type of work uh, outside of the military, uh, as well as uh, within various communities that my wife and I have been able to uh, be a part of. And that has really been instrumental 
so it's not just what I've been able to do in service, but also having the opportunity to, to take those skill sets and apply it uh, to the communities that I've been uh, rooted in uh, over the last uh, you know two decades. Right. So being a, a trainer uh, doing education in the military, right? How is that different from doing it in the civilian world? What are some of the key differences? And I have a follow-up question to that. I think one of the key differences in the military uh, is culture. I think military culture is, uh, you know, is different than, than civilian culture in that sense. Uh, but I think there are some universal truths to some of the things that we do. Of course, there's specific things that we do with military science uh understanding our, our core values and, and just the nature of, of what the military is designed but as far as the leadership aspect and as far as that development is concerned i think that is one and the same in that sense uh i have had the opportunity as an adjunct uh at a couple of different universities uh to work with people who not only work in the government uh, whether it be police department fire department or healthcare sectors working with uh, folks who are also in other uh, corporate sectors. And the, the leadership aspect, I think, is very universal in that sense. People uh, want to be with people who are able to empower them, uh, to give them and equip them with what they need in order to go out and do the great things that they're doing. And the military has the same mindset or mantra about equipping its people for, for the mission. And so making sure people uh, have the right tools and resources in order to not only uh, get the mission accomplished, but more importantly, how do you uh, take that asset, asset being human capital, and continue to cultivate and develop that uh, in a way that allows them uh, to bring their full authentic self to the place and really truly uh, use their gifts and talents in, in a very positive and impactful way. Great. So, so the follow-up question to that is, I think about adults, right? Sometimes, you know, we're, we're independent. We want to do our own thing. We want to be free. The idea of being receiving education or training that in some cases we didn't ask for. Uh, in the military, oftentimes it's, here's what you're going to do. Go get it done. How do you manage the challenge of working with adult learners so that whatever it is you're educating them on, training them in, that it's received and more importantly, retained? Because retention is everything in education, right? It is. It yeah. is. And Dre, you asked a, a very powerful question. And I will tell you from a military perspective, a lot of times, uh, professional education and specifically, a lot of times that's tied to promotion in that sense. So uh, as you continue to get promoted, the, the military is going to deliberately educate you in that sense. Uh, so it's helping folks not only reach their promotion opportunities or potential, but they also have to understand as a part of that promotion opportunity, uh, they have to continue to grow as leaders. And so even if you have those folks um, that have a fixed mindset, uh, according to Carol Dewick, uh, she has a book called Mindsets. Uh, she's a Stanford professor, I believe. And she wrote a really fascinating book on that. And we talk about that, the difference between having a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And so even with those adult learners who have a fixed mindset or, or embrace this or adopt that, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. 
uh, we have to find ways uh, to meet people where they are and, and help them see the value of education and growing and developing that is not just about them, but it's about the people that they're supposed to be leading and guiding and raising up and building. And that's a part of their leadership legacy. I have found some of the same challenges in the civilian sector as well, which a lot of times um, I found that many of the folks were going back to school. They were going back to school for the number one reason was promotion opportunity. Mm. Uh, many of their jobs have said, hey, look, for your succession planning, for you to get to this next tier, uh, you're going to have to obtain a certification or you're going to have to attain some sort of additional education. Uh, in order to be, you know, competitive uh, for this promotion opportunity. Uh, so there were some reasons why some of them were uh, leaned in a little bit more uh, to taking that class uh, because they knew would would have some some benefits on the other end as far as promotion was concerned for them. And then we also had those folks who just generally wanted to continue to grow and learn because they recognize that if they're going to truly walk in uh, their purpose and what they're passionate about, then they're going to have to take the opportunity to continue to cultivate that. Sure. And what better way to do that uh, than to, you know, get the education needed in your specific uh, field mm -hmm. in order to continue to grow and be the best yeah. that you can be in that area. That makes sense. As I think about what you're sharing and, you know, educating adult learners and how there's different incentives for different individuals, uh, I think about your role it sounds like more, in some instances, of a coach, right? And so you think about coaches that have worked with youth and seen them prosper and develop and go on to do great things. And I can imagine the pride these coaches have. Is there a success story you can think of where you've worked with a group of individuals or a specific individual and doing some type of training, education, or coaching where, you know, you've seen them progress on that path that they were, they were, you know, uh, the potential path that they were on and you saw them achieve success in part through the impact that you had on their lives. Yes, uh, I have. And I have both a military as well as civilian, uh, example here with that, you know, while I was in the military, particularly when I was stationed at the uh, air force senior non-commissioned officer Academy, in Montgomery, Alabama at Maxwell Gunner Air Force Base. Um, we had a number of coalition partners uh, that would come in to the course and along with our sister service. Uh, I remember one particular gentleman from Botswana uh, share with us at the end of the class, um, you know, his, uh, un his gratitude his gratitude for having the opportunity to come to this course, but also having the opportunity to learn from so many different people from different walks of life and different backgrounds. And he said, you know, I'm a leader because of each and every last one of you. And that really just shook me to my core because yeah. this is a grown man uh, from uh, Botswana. And, and his expression and his gratitude was thanking us uh, for, you know, what we were able to share with him that has enabled him to be a better leader. And I thought that was very powerful. But we also reminded him because of his cultural lens and, and the difference in his cultural lens and his perspective that 
you know, it was a mutual exchange. Uh, the dialogue we had, and it was a dialogue, the dialogue we had throughout the eight and a half weeks that we were there together uh, was impactful for all. And so it wasn't just about us pouring into him, but it was also him pouring into us and helping us to broaden our cultural views uh, and perspectives. So it really did widen our aperture as far as that's concerned. Uh, so that will be my military example. I think one of my civilian examples uh, would just simply be the fact that I've had members come back to me later who have either been promoted or moved into other spaces where now they have uh, direct reports and they're supervising and leading and guiding those direct reports and how they've been able to apply the tools um, that we talked about and we shared in class and the experientials that we went through they're actually able to actually use it. And I think to me, that's the highest compliment. You know, we all want to come to a class where it's fun, it's exciting, and, and people can and have a good time. And that's fantastic. That's great. And I plan to create that kind of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, what do you take away from that that allows you to do what you need to do? I'm an 80s baby, so I'm going to go there for just a moment. I grew up on Schoolhouse Rock. Okay. I remember the Super Friends. Okay. Okay. And I remember in between the Super Friends and Plastic Man yeah. and, and, and everything else, uh, Schoolhouse Rock used to have this little, uh, this, this catchphrase because knowledge is power. Yeah. And, and, and I would often, you know, repeat that. But I, recently I, I ran into someone who reminded me, it's not just the knowledge that's power, it's the actual application yeah. of that knowledge. That's the true power. Right. And, and I was like, oh man, that's right. a mic drop moment. Right. I'm like, yo, yeah. I that I never thought about that that way. So I had to rethink how I view knowledge. Mm -hmm. That knowledge does you absolutely no good if you don't apply it. It's like a book on the shelf collecting dust, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chris, you um when you mentioned schoolhouse rock. Now it's stuck in my head. I'm just a bill. <laughs> yes, I'm only a bill. And I'll sit here on Capitol Hill. Oh, well, there's a long, long journey. Man, I love Schoolhouse Rock. Dude, you just, I, I, I haven't heard that phrase forever. But tell me this. When you, when you think about your, your military educator, so you've been in the, you retired from 26 years. In today's age, what you do now from instructing compared to when you first went in 26 years ago, how has it changed? Have you implemented AI, technology? I imagine back then there weren't PowerPoints or there might have been. How has the learning uh, tools in your toolbox changed in 26 years? And then you mentioned you're an adjunct professor. So do you use them both in the military and in the professorial way or how does that change over the years, the decades? Yes, I, I will say it has certainly changed. And in, uh, in that sense, technology, as you pointed out, has given us the ability to do so much more. Um, I will tell you, one of the things that uh, was extremely beneficial is just being able to do what we're doing right now. I remember during the height of COVID, uh, being at home, I had to continue uh, to deliver 
uh, workshops and I had to do it utilizing platforms such as Zoom or Teams in order to make that happen. Now, is it the same uh, as that face-to-face? It, it, that's debatable. I mean, you're going to have some folks who will say, well, I prefer to be sitting right across or right next to that individual. But the fact that you and I can see one another, we can do that. And, and that's, a, that's a product of technology enabling us uh, to still be able to get the work done uh, and do it in a, in a, in a, in a meaningful way uh, that allows us to continue to grow and learn. And so uh, I believe that piece has really been a game changer. I mean, when you think about the military as a whole, uh, that impacted a lot of us because typically we would bring all our folks in um, to particular schoolhouse for, you know, those types of uh, workshops. Now we've been able to leverage uh, technology in a way that no matter where you are in the world, you could still uh, log on. Uh, and and get into that classroom environment and still continue to grow and learn and share with your teammates. Hmm. So that has been ph- phenomenal. That's a been a, that's been a game changer. Also, and you mentioned you're an '80s baby. Well, how in the same vein of technology, dealing with these millennials, these young people who are tethered to their phones and their TikToks, do you, do you find that? Uh, educating the new people coming into the military or even new people coming into your classrooms as your professor, as a professor, do you have to communicate differently with someone with these millennial people or these, I I guess it's Gen Zers now. I don't even know what they're called, but these 21 year olds, it's just from a different mindset than us from the eighties. So we have, uh, they say we're right now, we have five different cohorts in the, in the workplace. Uh, we don't have as many traditionals anymore, but we still have a, a large number of baby boomers. Of course, Generation X, in which uh, I think all of us here on this podcast are probably Generation X. Um, and then you have the millennials and you have the, the Gen Zs and the cloud generation. Well, I have to... Keep in mind that it's particularly when I'm uh, at school uh, as an adjunct, uh, I have the same uh, challenge there. I have just about all different cohorts, uh, generational cohort, cohorts being represented in those classes. I have the, uh, the dual enrolled students who are the high schoolers who are taking college courses. I also have the traditional college students who you know graduated high school and they're, they're in uh, school. And then I also have the adult learners, those individuals uh, who are coming back to school. Uh, they're in the full time job. A lot of them have their families and they're coming back to school because they're, they're trying to, to develop a new skill set, either for uh, reinventing themselves uh, to go into another career or perhaps maybe just using it as a platform or springboard for promotion opportunities. So. I have to find ways to help them embrace and leverage technology, but also at the same time, I've got to speak to some of those uh, tools uh, that uh, engages them in a meaningful way. And I think at the end of the day, whether it be me using a poll everywhere or Kahoot uh, as a platform to for them to use their phones or something on that lines that engage them, or if it's just having an experiential where we're doing some things that we're doing, some face-to-face type activities uh, where we're talking, 
we're actually having a conversation. I think it speaks to all of the different facets, uh, regardless of the various generations. And I think sometimes uh, even some of the older generations that th there's a stigma or a stereotype that they don't embrace technology. And I don't think that is a, I think that's a misnomer uh, because I have found that there have been of, there have been folks from different di generational cohorts that embrace technology more so than the, the current generation. So, you know, it just depends. I think you really truly have to be able to uh, just try to understand people and meet them where they are. Tell me when you, I, I like the way you broke down the cohorts and the generational cohorts. Do you find in your role that it's a fine line between educating and coaching or it's an overlap of coaching and educating? I think there is a line, uh, but I think coaching, when you look at coaching, coaching is, is really coming alongside someone and, and really trying to, you know, help posture them in a way that allows them to maximize what reach their goals or maximize their ability. I think from an education standpoint of view, uh, you're there to pour in and deposit certain things into them so they can think critical about those things uh, and, and think about how they can apply them to their lives or to whatever uh, problem that they're trying to solve or resolve. I, I think you can combine the two, uh, but I think there's a, there is a line of demarcation, if you will, uh, between the two. And so you have to be mindful of that, uh, particularly as you go into these various sessions whether you're going to be, you're going to put the hat on as a coach or you're going to put the hat on as an educator. Makes sense. So as I look at you, Chris Diesel, I can tell that you, uh, <laughs> you, 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 hit the, you, you hit the gym quite a bit. Uh, for me, when I get in the gym, there's that one, there's that one body part I don't enjoy. For me, it's legs. Everybody has that one body part where it's like, ah, guy, dig deep. I don't want to do this. As it relates to education, coaching and training, what's that one topic? That one area where you're like, this doesn't really excite me, but you find, a, you know, you, you dig deep and figure out, you know, this, this is important to the audience I'm teaching it to. So, you know, and you figure out a way to kind of dig deep and get it done. What's that one? Is it, is it coaching? Is it training a certain topic or a skill or? I think right now, um, and I know a lot of people have a lot of different comments on diversity, equity, inclusion, right? Mm. Diversity, equity, inclusion has always been something that the military has tried to ensure that they've placed in um, their courses um, as, because they wanted their leaders to understand the importance of that uh, as they continue to be more inclusive uh, in leading people from all over in different backgrounds. Um, it is, of course, post George Floyd um, is still a challenge because, of course, it's been politicized. It's been made a political football. And so that sometimes could be a challenge uh, trying to help people understand why that is so vitally important and having to remind people, look, we didn't just start doing this because of, of what happened to Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and, of course, what we saw the horrific murder of of, of uh, George Floyd, but there was an a, um, explosion, if you will, 
of more co companies and more organizations hiring or bringing on DNI, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion officers, you know, so and so forth. And these folks were assigned to the C-suite and blah, blah, blah. And then we've seen kind of a, a backlash, if you will, uh, where a lot of those positions have been cut. So if it's important and you value it, then put your money where, where your mouth is. Um, and so in a lot of ways, um, that course it sometimes is a real challenge because you have folks who have thrown up the, the hands. I, I don't want to know any more about this. We've been inundated with this. We've been, you know, and, but this is not just a one and done. This is continuous uh, as far as us understanding what this really means um, in our society. Uh, in this, if we're global citizens, which we all are. Uh, because technology has, a, 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 has allowed us to, to do that and to connect. Uh, I think we need to do a better job of bridging that and sharing that. So that could be, and that has been, probably one of my more uh, challenging uh, uh, workshops that I've had to facilitate because you really get uh, a number of different you know, ideas and views to it and trying to help people understand and embrace it uh, as a force multiplier can sometimes be very challenging. Yeah, it's polarizing for sure. Um, another comment on that before I, I move on to that. For those that are listening and not watching the, the, the podcast on YouTube, the Chris Diesel reference, it's clear that Chris works out. He's, he's, he's fit. That's why, that's why I mentioned that. But yeah, DNI, um, so we've had a guest on not too long ago who mentioned, who mentioned that this is to your point of the, the backslide where there was a role that was created uh, at a university seven months after the role had been filled. That person was notified the role was no longer being funded. And mm -hmm. along with that, the language that's being used now in corporate America and all that is being, you know, modified. So it's less, you know, of, you know, the words that were used at the peak of, you know, uh, 2020, 2021. So there's, it's less, cause like you were saying, it's polarizing and, mm -hmm. you know, people are saying, you know, you feel like they feel like they're being inundated and that sort of thing. So I could definitely understand Chris, how delivering that content requires, you know, that a special level of awareness, a special sense of, you know, um, cause again, whenever you're delivering content, like it has to be palatable, right? Yes. It's only as effective as well as, as it's received. So that makes sense. Here's another question for you. Your, your energy is infectious. You're, you're excited. It's, it's clear you're, you're excited about what you do. You have a passion. Mm -hmm. If you yes. weren't doing this, this role, this job, what would you be doing instead of this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so <laughs> I came into the Air Force for... <laughs> For, <laughs> for a reason. Okay, okay. Um, I, I had dreams of, of being the next uh, Isaiah Thomas, Magic Johnson. Okay. Uh, growing up, uh, that's what I wanted to do, right? And my basketball hoop dreams did not uh, manifest in that sense. Okay. And uh, I ended up coming to the Air Force. And I, I had an opportunity to go to a small school uh, coming out of high school. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, after talking with my mom and discussing with her the opportunity, and I had two uh, good friends uh, that went into the Air Force before I did. So I had an opportunity to be exposed to the Air Force yeah. and the, 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 the potential and the opportunity. 
And so my mind was kind of made up at that point in time. And plus the, the added benefit that I could continue my education in the Air Force uh, really kind of moved it in that direction. But but on a serious, you know, so th- on a serious note, I, I think one of the things that I wanted to do, uh, my grandfather um, is an all state insurance agent and has his own franchise in, in Birmingham uh, in, in, in Michigan. And he's always been for me uh that role model very successful uh, upper middle class and so i aspire to 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 want to be like you know want to be like mike i want to be like uh my grandfather alvin base uh senior and so uh that was one of the things that i was looking at trying to do um but uh you know my my path in the military uh took me on a different journey and i, I discovered what i really wanted to do and, and that was to be a leadership uh, and development, uh, uh, practitioner. Well, that's cool. But one thing is I'm going to circle back to the DEI diversity, equity, inclusion. I understand the diversity part and the inclusion. What, what is implied with equity giving, giving people of color and women assets in the company, or what is the equity part of the DEI? So the, the equity part sometimes is, is not, clearly defined. And I think uh, part of the, the process of trying to help people understand the difference between what, what that means. Uh, when we talk about equity and when we talk about fairness, uh, how do we truly define that? Because words matter. Uh, we want to ensure that people understand that people have access, have access, and, and having that access to opportunities. You know, you want an organization to not just offer uh, development opportunities just for a small group. You want that organization to ensure that it's offered to everyone. I have been in situations where I've seen where only certain groups uh, are are given those opportunities. The the quote-unquote cool kids, the good old boy club, whatever. Uh, And you can't just offer those opportunities to to just that group the 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 equity uh, has to be well hey look what about jim what about jamal uh you know reggie uh lakeisha yeah are you affording them the same opportunities to go to this particular course that you know will be a game changer will add to their competencies and will allow them to be repositioned in, in such a way that, hey, when promotions come around, we can't just overlook those individuals because they, they have the same resume at this point in time. So, so now we've got to, to, to do a better job. And if we believe that it adds value and it's a part of what we're trying to do, and there is the resource or the human capital that we need in order to uh, promote and, and continue to have the right people uh, with the right skill sets in those positions uh, instead of just, you know, going to this one particular area all the time. And so we, we've got to do a better job there. And I think that's part of the, the equity that unfortunately sometimes is, is not um, is not done properly and, and people don't see uh, why that can be problematic. 
but it is problematic because now you're promoting the same old group and it becomes very homogenous uh, when you look at your their top tier level within your organization uh, because you've only given those folks the opportunities for development, career development, coaching, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And, and to your point, you know, we've all seen this in different arenas, different spaces where, you know, those with the fishing pole fish from the same pond. That one mm-hmm. pond, oh, that's the only pond that exists. They're only going mm-hmm. to University of Michigan to recruit. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking about, you know, these other schools, HBCs, things like that, as an example. Mm-hmm. So yeah, equity, mm-hmm. uh, to your point, is, is, is key. Tell me, tell me this, Chris, as we transition to the final four here, what's one thing that your friends and family don't know about you, potentially, that you wish they did? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that is a, that's a difficult one to ask because you know, <laughs> most of them know that I'm a comic book nerd. I'm a pop culture nerd. Okay. Um, I, I I think the the uh, I think the one thing that um, that I would like to say that they probably don't know about me. Uh, ooh, wow. Hmm. You you, you got me stumped there. <laughs> I because I, 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 I think the, my, my family and friends they know I love pop culture movies. Um, yeah, uh, I I would say perhaps maybe uh, for me that I actually enjoy quiet time. I think because I'm I'm an extrovert, um, and from an MBTI Myers and Briggs perspective, a lot of people expect me to be full on all the time. Exactly, there are times where I do need a moment where I need to be able to sit down and just not have anything else going on. I like to listen to a little bit of my uh, Robert Glassford or some jazz or whatever and, and keep it moving. Um, uh, so that's one thing about me. I think sometimes people uh, tend to not know about me is that I do have to have those times where I, I can be in a cl- quiet place where I can just just think, meditate. Dre, Dre, I'm smiling because when I met Chris at, at my cousin's uh, party, he's an extrovert. I'm an extrovert. I'm talking to him so much. I'm thinking <laughs> my, my brother introduced me to him. I'm like, man, I'm probably getting on his dude's nerves. I'm just talking to him. And then Terry's like, why don't you talk to somebody else? I'm like, man, this dude is so – the energy was such right, an right. immense thing. I was like, right, I right. want to talk to him the whole time. But, yeah. but, but Chris, think about this as you're – First final four question. Mm-hmm. If you were to have dinner with mm-hmm. anyone, three people, four chairs mm-hmm. at the table, mm-hmm. if you were to have dinner with anyone alive or dead, who would you want to have dinner with and why? Uh, number one, Dr. Uh, King. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Right. King. And in this book, uh, of course, we know where do we go from here, chaos or community? Just to have that conversation with him about the trans, uh, the transformation, how he was continually evolving, and a lot of ways, people, you know, we celebrate him now, but those last few years of his life, we forget how many people didn't like him, 
They thought he was polarizing. Uh, you know, so some of the things that he wrote in his book, we are still dealing with today. In fact, a lot of the things that he wrote in his book, <laughs> we're still dealing with to this day. So I would love to have a conversation with him about, you know, you had this, this passion for people. And I love people too. But this was the unbridled passion for people, even to his own detriment, his own family. And he still did it anyway. So that's tremendous amount of love. Um, so that would be Dr. King. And I think I would love to ask him, you know, as he continued to um, see the, the handwriting on the wall, if you will, um, what, would, what would he do, you know, to, to correct this course of action? How would he lead differently? Uh, and I think he was starting to see how he was leading differently. And unfortunately, his life was cut short. The other, oh, the other two? You, there was the other two. One. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the other one would be Malcolm X. Um, wow. Awesome. I, I think Malcolm X, his transformation, uh, you know, after going to Mecca, uh, you know, the autobiography uh, of, of, of Malcolm X uh, by uh, uh, Alex Haley. Uh, I mean, just powerful, powerful books. And just powerful, um, you know, leaders uh, that helped uh, transform, uh, you know, us in so many different ways. Uh, the impact uh, globally that they have. I mean, these are two iconic figures. I mean, uh, so, yeah, I, I would love to, you know, Detroit Red, ask Detroit Red, you know, uh, Malcolm X, uh, you know, for you to make that transition and in a lot of ways to be ostracized in that process. Um, again, much like Dr. King, you know, you all sacrifice so much uh, for us to have the opportunity. And then my third one, um, I'm a used Prince fan. Okay. <laughs> okay. There you go. Yeah. No, no explanation needed. No explanation needed. Yeah. 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 Okay. The musicality. Yeah. This brother played all the dozens. Yeah. All the instruments. Yeah. Wrote, produced. There are there are certain songs that people are still jamming to this day, and they forget. Oh, you know who wrote that song? Yeah. That was Prince. Right. 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 You know. Right. So. Growing up a Prince fan, uh, you know, and I, and I remember as a kid growing up in the 80s, uh, we were told, at least the, the news had always said that, that Prince considered uh, Detroit his second home outside of Minneapolis. So, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Nice. Nice. What's been your greatest success, personally or professionally? I think my greatest success, and that's a great question, my greatest yeah. success is really my family. Yeah. Uh, my wife, Tammy, she uh, born and raised in New York. Okay. We met in service. Okay. We have two uh, beautiful uh, young men, uh, college young men. Uh, I affectionately call them my Spartans. Uh, there you go. Uh, there you go. From 300. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're that, that, that's the legacy. That, that's mm. the extension. So I'm just truly grateful. As I was reflecting, I got a uh, message from one of our dear friends. Uh, a couple of our dear friends today uh, that we met while in service, mm -hmm. uh, brother, brother, Captain, Captain George Bates, if I can shout him out. Sure, right now. Yeah. And um, 
he said, hey, happy Veterans Day, brother and sis, you know, love y'all, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, I was reflecting on this day as well, because as I look back, making the decision to come into the service was phenomenal. But what was even more uh, extraordinary was the beautiful relationships that I have been able uh, to have mm. over the years. I mean, these are truly, as my pastor would say, you are born into your family, mm. but you do have what we call siblings by choice. Mm. And they certainly are my siblings by choice. Uh, Smiley's cousin uh, is a prime example of that, Kim Paler. Mm. Uh, she was uh, the NCOIC uh, at my at, at, a, at a base that I was stationed at years ago, and she was looked and viewed uh, as big sis and, and, and mama uh, because how she led with the compassion she led with uh, and, and the nurturing uh, that she led with. I mean, it was phenomenal. So mm. uh, here we are, uh, and that was late 90s, early 2000s, and here we are, we're still close. Uh, still have m mad love for each other, yeah. and uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at today had it not been for those relationships. So I'm I'm truly grateful. Wow, for wow. that. Right. Awesome. Well, when you think about it, your Superman flies, the Hulk has his strength, and the Flash is fast. Out of the seven billion people on the planet, what is Chris' superpower? What is something that's uniquely you that's no one else? That's your God-given superpower. I think my God-given superpower is, is the ability to connect, mm. to connect with people. Uh, that's why I found this career path, rather not so much career path. I, I found that this is a, 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 uh, a calling. Very much when I accepted my calling to come into ministry, um, I look at it in that respect because mm. I've been able to utilize everything that I use in ministry as well as that I use as well as the things that I that military has helped me to learn uh, and continue to grow and cultivate in as far as connecting with people and developing people and, and really truly having a passion uh, to really build into the lives of others. So uh, that truly, I believe, is one of my superpowers. And mm. uh, I'm trying to do all that I can each and every day to continue to grow that because I can't rest on my laurels with that. Uh, it's about continuously uh, sharpening the saw in that sense. Love it. Love it. You mentioned uh, the biography of Malcolm X. Great book. For those listening and watching, if you haven't read it, strongly suggest you to go read it. For you, Chris, if you were to write an autobiography, what would the title be? Ah, the title would probably simply Chris. Simply Chris. Simply Chris. I like it. Simply oh, Chris. I love it. I like simply it. Simply Chris. Chris. I like it. Well, well, Chris, man, I want to thank you for, for A, it was such a, uh, a blessing meeting you at, at meeting you when I did and the conversation we shared. And, and thank you for once again, it's a holiday for you being on our podcast on this special day. And, and I just want to thank you that we appreciate you. And thanks again for your time. Yeah, ah, no problem. Smiley has been phenomenal meeting you at your cousin's house. Thank you for the opportunity invitation. Dre, yeah. it's good to finally meet you face yes, to face, sir. brother. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me onto this podcast and this platform. This is tremendous what you all are doing. And it speaks to your you all's passion. Mm. Uh, and, and I love that. The passion that you have for this uh, speaks volumes. And we need more uh, of these types of platforms to get our stories out there.
for sure, for sure. Thanks again, man. Thanks again for your service as well. 